Thanks for checking out the Christian Life Austin podcast. If this is your first time listening, make sure to check us out at clcaustin.com for more info on how you can connect with us. We trust that you will enjoy today's message. Thank you for listening. Come on, let's give Jesus a shout of praise in here for just a minute. Well, boy, my boy. Are you happy today? Do you love Jesus? Anyone glad they're saved? (laughs) Uh, Yeah, get her down. It is so good to be in Texas, in the Republic of Texas, the great nation of Texas. Let me tell you, whenever I travel, I meet Americans. And you'll meet them if they're from California or Florida or Louisiana, and they're in our country, they'll say, where are you from? We're from the United States, but not Texans. <laughs> where are you from? We're from Texas. <laughs> Darn right, where we are. Uh, but I'm from the deep south. Uh, I'm from South Australia, and that's south. We're, in a whole, we're, in a whole, we're at the bottom of the southern hemisphere, uh, and uh, it's awesome down there. There's a lot of sharks, though. You've got to watch out for them. They're a problem, but it is such an honor to be here uh, in this church. I've heard so many wonderful things about this church, and, and uh, it is such an honor to be here and to finally get to meet Pastor Rex and Pastor Patty. They are, can I say this? There, there's pastors, and then there's like once in a generation legend leaders, you know, and, and uh, you, you, are, you are blessed and you are favored uh, to have these incredible people leading you and and so God must love you to give you pastors like them. I've been to some churches where I think God's not too fond of the people at all. He's not, <laughs> they've done something really wrong. But but what a what a what a church you have and what a touch of God. When when the worship team started singing you split the sea so I could walk right through. I nearly ran around this building. My right leg started to go, and I'm going, stop it. They'll think I'm a fanatic. And, uh, but it really is an honor uh, to be with you as an Australian to come and preach in Texas. I'm not lying. This is the truth. I'm not preaching now. I'm telling the truth. Uh, <laughs> if I was to ever move to America, I'd live in Texas. Why would you live anywhere else? Where, why would you... I would not, I'd live here, and because uh, it's awesome, and I look forward to after church this afternoon, going to, I'm going to smash some barbecue this afternoon, we're going to, uh, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to have some pulled pork, and some beef brisket, and some ribs, and maybe, maybe a biscuit, or some cornbread, <laughs> I'm going to say cornbread, because I speak without an accent, but cornbread, and we're going to have some of that. And I'm, and I'm, and I'm not going to say that. I'm going to drown those suckers in barbecue sauce. I'm telling you right now. I'm going to have some meat with my barbecue sauce. Barbecue sauce is... It's funny. You start talking about that, you feel the anointing, don't you? You just, <laughs> you just sense his presence. It, but it is an honor to be here for, for maybe just 20 seconds. Can we just raise our hands to God? <sighs> Man, I feel that. That just... We, the Bible says, Psalm 144... Blessed be the Lord, my rock, who trains my hands for war, my fingers for battle. When we lift up our hands, our fingers, our hands, we're doing battle. We're doing something in the spirit realm, touching God. 
seeing God do something. Never underestimate the power of raising your hands or letting your kids see you raise your hands. The best thing a boy and a girl can see is their mum and dad lifting up their hands and worshipping Jesus. Lord God, we offer you our praise. We offer you our worship. You are altogether wonderful. And Father, we give you praise in the name of Jesus. Can somebody say the Lord is good? Do you believe that on a Sunday morning? Come on, let's give the Lord a praise. You may be seated. I bring you greetings from our church, Life Point Church in Adelaide, South Australia. My wife Donna sends her love, and we have two boys, James and Samuel. James is nearly three, Samuel is nearly one. Uh, both next month, they're both August babies. They've, we've got our hands full, but we're loving life. And uh, we used to love sleep, uh, now we, we don't know. Sleep, apparently, we don't need it. Uh, And so, but God is good. But it is such an honor to be here. If you have a Bible, let's turn to the book of Ephesians. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Ephesians. I'm reading from the New King James this morning, which is the, uh, it is the translation the Apostle Paul used. I had the New Indian version for a while. But every time I read the NIV, the new, I kept talking like this, I tell you, very, very good. It's wonderful. <laughs> anyway, I've got to behave. This church has a spirit of mischief in it. I'm telling you right now, the hardest thing to do around here is preach, yet it's the easiest thing to do, but you, you're, you're naughty. But God knows. God's going to help me. Very naughty, I tell you. It's very good. <laughs> Ephesians 5, verse 14. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep, arise from the dead. That word uh, dead means dead to the things of the Spirit. Uh, Arise from the dead and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many know we are living in some crazy days? How many know the greatest hope for America, Australia, Europe, Africa, Asia is not It's not a political agenda, it's a move of God, it's a revival. I'm telling you what I'm believing God for. As an Aussie who loves this country, America is awesome and it's the greatest place. You live in the best country in the world. But I I believe the hope for America is a revival from the White House to the crack house, from the prison house to the school house. We're going to see America shaken by the the fire of God. Do you believe that up in the balcony this morning? You good-looking people in the balcony, my goodness, I'm intimidated. See then uh, verse 18, verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise, understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunk with wine. Paul's not saying don't be drunk. He's just saying don't be drunk on the wrong stuff. (laughs) He's all good with being drunk, providing you're not drinking of a vine, but you're drinking of heaven, which is dissipation or excess. But be filled. Somebody say, be filled. He says, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing, making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always. Somebody say always. Always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. I want to have a look at this for just a few moments. And I want to use for a subject this morning, having a personal revival. Having a personal revival. You see, uh, we... Often we'll pray for revival to come 
like it's an external thing, and, and it can be. God can sovereignly visit a group of people and visit a church, and I pray that He would do that. But I also don't want to just depend on that. I, I want a revival in my life. I want to get around like a new Christian, you know? Remember when you first got born again, everything was wonderful. You're like, man, you're, you're the first person at church. There were three services, you're, you're at all of them. And, and, and the next one was better than the last. Every sermon you ever heard was the greatest sermon you ever heard. I mean, when you're a new Christian, you'd tell anybody about Jesus. You'd, you'd say grace and end up speaking in tongues, you know? It's like, Lord, bless this food. These days, the only times I say grace is when I'm going to what seems like being a pretty dodgy restaurant. I pray in tongues for the sake of not dying in the restaurant but but Paul writes to the church at Ephesus and he says be filled with the spirit now what you've got to understand about the church at Ephesus uh, the church at Ephesus was a spirit-filled Pentecostal church uh, we we hear the word Pentecostal you know and we kind of think maybe a Pentecostal is uh, a den- denominational name uh, and it's an affiliation. I said to someone the other day, is your church Pentecostal? He said, we're non-denominational. I, I, I said, no, I'm not asking that uh, whether you're in a Pentecostal church. What I'm asking you is, uh, are you, are you a, a church that believe in what happened on the, on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2? And, uh, and so this guy, was, well, of course, yeah, yeah, we do. So I said, well, that means you're Pentecostal. The reason we would be called Pentecostals here today. It's not because of a denomination. It's not because uh, we've signed up to this group of churches or anything like that. Let me tell you, no one owns Pentecost. Pentecost uh, is a day uh, that we read about in Acts chapter 2 where 120 people were gathered in an upper room waiting for the touch of the Holy Spirit. And, and as they waited, the Bible says, on the day when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind it filled the whole house where they were sitting. And there appeared under them cloven tongues like as a fire. One sat upon each of them and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them the utterance. I love this so much because we, we, we've got to understand being a Pentecostal is not about being in denomination. Being a Pentecostal is about believing in the present day ministry of the Holy Spirit and believing that the Holy Ghost wants to baptize His church with fire from heaven and rivers of living water. And I've, I've come to Austin this morning because I, I believe I'm in a group of people that believe the same thing. They believe that the Holy Ghost is still the Holy Ghost. You, you believe that Jesus is still on the throne and reigns in power and glory and dominion. And so Paul's writing to this church at Ephesus and he's saying to this church at Ephesus, he's saying, hey, be filled with the Spirit. This church was started in the move of God. Paul came to uh, uh, Ephesus and, and he found some disciples. He said to them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? They said, we didn't even know you could receive the Holy Ghost. He laid his hands on them. Shakaba. Yeah, sorry about that. That just happens every now and then. Trying to hide the Holy Ghost is like trying to ha- hide a kangaroo. I mean, if you've got a kangaroo in your living room and you invite someone over and you don't want them to know, don't hide the thing behind the curtains. He'll pop out at any time. I mean, when you're filled with the Holy Ghost, it's uh, hard to hide that thing because there's a joy that's in your heart, man. There's a spring in your step. There's a fire in your spirit. Yeah. Oh, Jesus, bless God. <laughs> man. And so he's writing to this church, be filled with the Spirit. They already got the Holy Ghost. So why is he telling Pentecostals to be filled with the Spirit? We've already got the Spirit. The point is, sometimes it's not a question of 
have you got the Holy Ghost in days gone by? It's how are your water levels now, man? How are you, how are you flowing now? Are you, are you full of power? Are you, are you full of the Spirit of God? Are you touched with the fire of the Holy Ghost? Is God moving in your world? Maybe you're in this place today and you've been filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're filled with the Holy Ghost on Noah's Ark. Or should I say Noah's Ark? On the Ark. God wants to fill you today afresh with the wine of God, with the touch of heaven in your heart and in your life. And Paul's right to the church. He says, be filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit uh, is a recognizable condition. You can't be filled with the Spirit and not know that you've been filled with the Spirit. And you can't be filled with the Spirit and other people not know you've been filled with the Spirit. I've had people say, I think I've been filled with the Spirit. Well, let me tell you, when you've been filled with the Spirit, you know. I mean, if you, if you lick your fingers and find a live wire back here, you'll know that you've, you've come in contact with some power. When you come in contact with the dunamis power of heaven. I mean, if you go and stand on the, on the freeway in front of an 18-wheeler, let me tell you, if you get up, if you get up, You'll know that you've been hit by an 18-wheeler. You'll get home to your wife. She's going to say, sweetheart, there's something different about you. Yeah, sweetheart, I was just on the, on the, on the freeway. I got hit by, by an 18-wheeler. I'm never going to be the same again. Once you've been hit with the fire of God, those, those 120 in the upper room, they knew. They knew. They knew that something had happened. Their hair's on fire. They're speaking in a heavenly language. They're speaking in tongues. They're, they're touching God. They hit the streets of Jerusalem and people said, these men are drunk. Some people think the touch of God is like this delicate thing. Tell that to Isaiah. He was minding his own business and an angel of the Lord comes down from heaven with a coal from the altar of heaven. You might go, oh, that's lovely. Well, the angel, he wouldn't even touch that sucker. He was holding it with tongs because it was so hot. That's where we first see speaking in tongs in the Bible. And it's, it's my joke for the morning. I practiced that one. Maybe not next time. It was a bit average. But he's holding the tongs. He's holding, he's holding the coal from the altar with tongs because it's too hot for him to hold. But the angel didn't really seem to have an, an, a, a social filter happening. So he just gets that, gets that, uh, that coal and sticks it on Isaiah's mouth. Burns the poor guy. That was his encounter with God. I mean, our baptism in the Holy Ghost is all nice. Oh, rabababa, shana. His is like, he was never able to speak properly ever since. <laughs> what about Jacob? The Bible says he wrestled with God. He was in a serious prayer. He's in intercession and God stabbed him in the hip. Thank you, Jesus. How was prayer meeting? Great, I got stabbed in the hip. Fantastic. What about Paul? He's on the road to Damascus. His name wasn't even Paul at the time. It was Saul. He has an encounter with God that's so powerful. He hits the ground and gets up blind. We pray for people to receive their sight. Not Paul. He lost his. You talk about a move of God. How was it? Fantastic. Can't see a thing. Bless Jesus. So powerful was the God encounter that the S fell off his name and God stuck a P on it. You know, church is good. My name's David. But man, you know, it's really good if I leave the place and tell people my name's Pavid. God's done something. Can you imagine the three of them having a chat in heaven? Jacob walks over to Isaiah. Tell us about the time God touched your Isaiah. Oh, it was the most amazing thing that's ever happened to me in my life. 
It was unbelievable. Paul, what about you? Tell us about how God touched you. Oh man, it was up. We were over here. Man, it was unbelievable. I once could see and now I'm blind. Amazing grace in reverse. Can I? Man, the touch of God's lethal. When you get hit by the fire of God, you know. You know, you know, you know that you know. See, being filled with the Spirit is recognizable. When, when the church was growing in, in, in the book of Acts, they were trying to get this thing managed. So they said, let's look for men of good report, full of faith, and full of the Holy Ghost. If being filled with the Spirit is unrecognizable, how would these men, be, how were they able to identify the people that they needed to build church with if it wasn't a recognizable condition? Being filled with the Spirit is a recognizable condition and it's something that's real you'll know I pray today that the fire of God would fall in this place and you would leave under a fresh wind of God's spirit a fresh anointing from God filled with the power of the Holy Ghost in the name of Jesus can you give God a praise if you believe it this morning so if being filled with the spirit's recognizable there's some indicators there's a whole bunch, but I want to give you two this morning because I know there's two of you taking notes and I don't want to give you too much work to do this afternoon because so far the theology is quite heavy and, uh, and so I just want to bite-sized pieces. Being filled with the Spirit is a recognisable condition. If it's recognisable, there's indicators. The first I want to give you, and it's a, it's a little bit old school, but I'm a bit old school. I'm like a... 85-year-old Pentecostal in a 35-year-old body. I was raised by Pentecostal evangelists. My parents are evangelists. To this day, they travel the world preaching the gospel. For years, we had a tent that seated 1,200 people. We'd put it up all over Australia and just have crusade meetings, and people would come. And Man, we had a crowd in that thing. One night, uh, I mean, we saw blind eyes open, deaf ears here. Thousands came to Christ, and uh, tens of thousands across Australia. God moved in power and, and anointing. And so I grew up with... They, my parents weren't even Pentecostal. They were Pentecostal. Let's just be honest. Uh, they, they, they're the kind of parents that when they really got mad at each other and started fighting, they started fighting in tongues, you know. They, they, they didn't sleep, they levitated. If I, if I was sick on a school day, I never got compassion. I got the doors burst open. In the name of Jesus, get off him, you foul thing in Jesus' name. There'd be tongues, interpretation, slaying in the spirit. No catcher, by the way, just bam, out, out under the spout where the glory comes out. They'd get me back up. Off I'd go to school after a violent prayer session, black eye, thick lip, blood nose, but not one flu symptom. I'd get to school and that was my life. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. If you stew long enough with people, you taste the same. Guess what? I'm a, I'm a tongue-talking, Bible-thumping Pentecostal. I believe that you can still cast out devils. I, I even believe in the rapture. I believe Jesus is coming back. I believe he heals today. I believe Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he did 2,000 years ago on the shores of Galilee, he can do in Austin, Texas. I, I believe signs and wonders should follow the preaching of the Word. I believe in the power of God. I believe in the church. I believe that God's doing why? Why? Why is that? Because God says it in His Word. And man, maybe some of us here are simple enough to believe that the Holy Ghost of the Bible is the Holy Ghost of today. And the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is alive in us. But there's indicators. The first one, 
This is old school. Do we have any old schoolers in the house? There you go. I knew it. I could just sense it. The first is you've received the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Do I have any friends that have been baptized in the Holy Ghost? I can tell you, Pastor Rex, I was 14, 13 years of age, February 1995, just before my 14th birthday. And, and this preacher came to Adelaide. You might have heard of him. He was well known across America years ago. His name was, it still is Rodney Howard Brown. And he can't, this guy comes in and, and uh, he, he calls me out. He says, young man, lift your hands to God. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, lift your hands to heaven. As you do, the fire of God comes upon you. I lifted my hands. I was 13. I didn't even want to be in church. I was there because my dad made me come to church. So I'm sitting next to my dad. And this was a long meeting. It was like five hours. Flip. And so I'm standing there with my hands. He says, lift your hands as you do, the fire of God. I lifted my hands and exactly that happened. The fire of God fell on me from my head to my toe. I, I encountered the power of the Holy Spirit. I've never been the same since. I mean, I've never been the same since. I got up and I couldn't speak English for about an hour. I was just talking to people in the language of heaven. They thought he's finally cooked his goose. He's done. Can I tell you, I got fire baptized. I've never been the same since. I got filled with the Holy Spirit. When you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, man. See the heavenly language, God will. God will do something in your heart and in your life. I, I believe more than ever, my generation need to preach this stuff. Because the Bible says in the book of Romans, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. And then he talks about us going in, growing in revelation from faith to faith. He says the just will live by faith, from faith to faith. I look at this generation. Pastor Rex is a man of great faith. I pray that. I honour his generation by being the same in mine. Let's not go from faith to reason or faith to just programs or faith to just churchianity. Let's keep faith in the power of God that God moves alive for my kids. I want my kids to be baptised in the Holy Ghost. I want my kids to know God. I want them to be alive with the fire of the Holy Spirit. I, I want them to see a mum and dad who know how to touch God in prayer and see things change by the power of God. Receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. You know, in the, in, the, uh, in the final days of Jesus on planet earth, he said, he said, wait in Jerusalem until you're filled with power from on high, until you receive the baptism in the Holy Ghost. Can I, can I tell you, the baptism in the Holy Spirit is a powerful thing. And, and, and Jesus was the one who told us to be filled with the Spirit. He said, you've got you to have this experience. And you know, the beautiful thing in this in this in this word baptism, is there's actually two original Greek words for baptism. There's bapto and there's baptizo. Bapto and baptizo. So when we see the word baptism, there's two Greek words in play uh, that are used. And, and these words are quite interesting. And I came across a poem written by a Greek poet in ancient Greek, which is, uh, which is consistent with the, the, the Greek wording from our, from our scriptures. And, and uh, he wrote a poem on the process of making pickles. On the process of making pickles. Now, until I came across this, I just assumed pickles, you just go to the shop, buy a pickle seed, plant it in the ground, and voila, a few weeks later, you get a little sprout, maybe a couple of months later, boom, there's a pickle. That's not so. I know, none of you knew this. This is revelation for your soul. Pickles, God never created pickles. You won't read anywhere in Genesis, and God said, let there be pickles. 
and there were pickles. And he saw that it was good. Firstly, it's not good. Pickles are not good. You don't want pickles. Anyway, moving right along. I'm getting stuck in a ditch. Pickles were cucumbers. Profound. Profound. Friends up in the cheap seats, this is revelation. I'm telling you. This is revelation. Uh, Pickles were cucumbers. A cucumber that got saved, baptized in water, baptized in the spirit. It's now pickle. This poet writes about the process of making pickles. He says, you get the cucumber, you dip it in boiling hot water, and that's called blanching. But it completely dips it, it softens the skin, and then the cucumber is taken out of the hot water, fully dipped, and then placed into a jar, or as you would say in America, a jar, a jar. I say jar. Somebody say jar. See, beautiful. That's beautiful. It's Queen's English right there. Fantastic. Bless God. Place into a jar full of vinegar. And then what happens is because the skin's been softened with the dip, it comes out, it goes in the jar, and, and the cucumber sits in there for a while while the vinegar breaks through that softened skin and it changes the cucumber from the inside out. And, 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 and the, the cucumber becomes a pickle. Here's the amazing thing. When you get put in that jar and get saturated by God's Spirit. Some of us, we just come to church and have a dip. God's not looking for dippers. He's looking for some saturated people. And when, when, you, when, you, get, when you get saturated, when you get saturated, you're never the same. Did you know it's, it's scientifically impossible to change the chemical structure of a pickle back to a cucumber? Once you've been dipped... And once you've been saturated, there ain't going back. You, you can't go back to religion. You can't go back because you've been, you've been filled with the power of God. Once you've been touched, once you've been filled, once the power of God has flooded your heart and flooded your soul, how can you go back to boring Christianity? I want to be vibrant, connected with the power of God, where the life of God's Spirit floods my heart, floods my spirit, so I can know without a doubt that greater is He that's in me than he that's in the world. When you get baptised in the Holy Ghost, it changes your whole walk with God. You go from knowing God by His Word and knowing God just by history and and, and I guess a a light kind of connection with God. When you get baptised in the Holy Ghost, there are deep wells that begin to be forged in your life and you are never the same again. I mean, it's one thing to be saved and yes, sure, you get your ticket to heaven, but there's 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 a baptism of power that comes from God that will change your heart and change your life and power comes upon you. We need the power of God. We need it in our homes. We need it in our families. We need it in our churches. We need it this day and this hour. We need the power of God to change our lives. The power of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say power. Acts 1 and 8, you shall receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. I want that power working in my life. Baptized in the Holy Ghost, filled with God's presence. I had a girl come up to me in a meeting just recently, and uh, she asked me for prayer. It was a youth conference. She said, "Would you pray for me?" I said, "I'd love to." And so I was pretty tired. I'd been in church and preached my heart out. So I just put my hand on her shoulder and I said, "Lord, would you touch her? Would you fill her with your presence in Jesus' name?" Amen. And I, I left thinking that was a nice enough prayer, you know. It was well well intended she goes was that it 
I said, come again? She said, was that it? I said, what do you mean, was that it? She said, my parents are both sick. They're looking at getting divorced. I've got anxiety. I've got sickness in my body. And she listed off a whole lot of challenges. And she said, uh, I came to you believing that God was going to do something. She said, was that it? I said, no. <laughs> it was a practice. Because <laughs> sometimes you like that old lawnmower, you know. It's a cold day. You've got you to pull the string a few times. Cool, rub, up, 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 up. There we go. In the night, you know. When she said that, it activated faith in my spirit. So I thought, I've got to pray properly here. So I put my hand on her head. I said, In the name of Jesus. Sometimes you've got to be loud. You say, Why do you need to be loud? Is God deaf? No. But he really likes it. And so I said, In the name of Jesus. And I said, You be made whole by the power of God. And as I said that, she hits the ground under the power of God. I was like, <laughs> was that it? <laughs> I was like, that's it. That's it. So I went home. Back to the hotel. And uh, Spirit of God spoke to me in the car on the way back. He said, Dave, don't build the kind of church. Don't have meetings where people come. Needing something from God. And they leave going, was that it? Have a move of God. See something happen for the wonder of heaven. Filled with the Holy Ghost. Touched with the presence of the Most High God. I don't know about you, church. I, I want a fresh anointing, you know. I need a fresh touch of God every day of my life. In the name of Jesus. You know, you know, he says, he says, be filled with the Holy Ghost. Another indicator you've been filled with the Holy Ghost, number two, is signs and wonders are alive in your life. We hear the word signs and wonders and we often think it's just, and I'm all for a move of God, you know. And I'm all for demonstrations of the Spirit. I'm believing tonight we're going to see a whole lot of that. Incidentally, shameless plug, you should come tonight at seven. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be bigger than Ben-Hur. And his mother-in-law. It's going to, I'm telling you right now, this thing is going to be, we're going to have church tonight. So you've got to come. Bring a friend. Bring an enemy. Bring a friend of me. Bring, bring your grandmother. Bring your neighbor's cat. I don't mind. We'll lay hands on the cat. Become hungry. You know, when you make room for God, he makes room for you. And so tonight we're going to make some room and just say, God, because one of, the, one of the problems that growing churches have all over when God's blessing it is where do you put people? So you have to have multiple services. There's stuff that we want to see God do. It's just not as easy all the time to do it when you've got another stack of people that are ready to come in again. So we had a service so you can come and just be refreshed. So I want to encourage you, bring somebody, bring someone that doesn't know Jesus, bring someone that's sick, bring whoever you want, but bring somebody and let's see this place full of people and see a move of God touch this place tonight at seven o'clock. That's, that's my one plug. Uh, that's it. Other than that, stay classy. But let me go on for one second. <laughs> Signs and wonders are flowing in your life. If you look at, uh, at this door over here, there's a red sign above that says exit. That's a sign. It tells you where you're going. A sign points to something or makes you aware of something. And when signs and wonders are flowing, those signs should always point to Jesus. Right. 
They should always point to Jesus. When they point to a man, something's not right. Signs should always point to the God of heaven, the one who walked on water, the lily of the valley, the bright morning star. And he, said, he, says, he tells us in Mark 16, Jesus says, these signs will follow those who believe. In my name, he says, you'll cast out demons. You'll speak with new tongues. You'll take up serpents. They won't harm you. You'll lay hands on the sick and they will, they will recover. Maybe if Brother Keyboard could come. It's awesome. I just don't feel like God can move unless the keyboard's playing. I just, you need the keyboard. I don't know what. It just sounds good. Just Everything sounds more anointed. Like he's going to play, you watch. He'll play and it'll sound good. You know, just tell me when you're ready because I don't want to miss, I want to, we're ready. I could say anything. So when he plays, right? So without him playing, I could say anything. And you'd be like, yeah, maybe. For example, God loves your friends. You're like, yeah, maybe. When he plays, God loves your friends. You're like, yeah, he does. You know what? Because he brings the, the juice. He does those little high things. And when a hero comes along. No, move. <laughs> no, I won't. Lord Jesus, carnality's filling the building, Lord. We rebuke that. It's the keyboardist's fault. Blame him. Signs and wonders flowing in your life by the Spirit of God. I had a girl uh, come into a service. I was preaching in Florida just a year ago. In July, a year ago. And she comes into the service. There's a big crowd. So she was way out the back. And I didn't really realize what was going on. But I just felt prompted by the Holy Spirit. Pray for that girl back there. So I said, you come back. She comes forward. And uh, as she's coming forward, I realized she's wearing an eye patch. And I didn't know why that was. First, I thought she might be a pirate. Um, so I said, lift your arms to the Lord. And she... I, I said, what's your condition? Is it scurvy? No, she, I didn't say that. <laughs> I said, how did you get here? Did you sail the high seas? No, I didn't say that. There's people up there. I can see in the balcony, you can see everything. You're sort of, some people laughing, other people going, where did they find this person? <laughs> this guy is a complete lunatic. Why, why? Sometimes they bring in a guest that's just a little bit loose. Just so you'll appreciate what you actually have. So that's what they're doing. They're not, I'm not here to bless you. I'm here to just bring some contrast. <laughs> All the colors of the Pentecostal rainbow. So, so she comes down the front. I said, what's going on? She said, I have cancer in my tear duct. This is 14 years old, this girl. Cancer in my tear duct. And it's putting pressure on my eyeball. And now, now, I, now I can't see. And so she... She's there, and when she said that, I repeated it to the whole crowd. It's amazing how when there's a need, the church just rise up. You could feel faith just in the room. So I said, well, well, why don't we all pray? And I watched this 10-year-old, 12-year-old crying out to God, stretching their hands towards this girl. She hits the floor under the power of God, slain in the Spirit, you know. And, uh, and so she gets up, and then she starts testifying, saying she can see out of her eyes. So everyone's going crazy. I'm saying, look. I'm not going to celebrate this until we know what God's actually done. Because what if she's just having a good day and, and uh, go, go, goes back to being bad, you know? And so she, uh, she gets a whole lot of tests. And that was July. It was in October. I get a message, uh, email from one of the uh, pastors in the church. And the lady, she, she wrote in this, in this letter, in this email. She said, David, uh, this young lady went to the doctor. She's had the MRI scan. She's had everything. 
And we just want to let you know, this is what the doctors have said. They've said, you are cancer-free. And... Church, can I, can I just say, we've we, we got to come back to miracle power. We've we got to come back to Pentecost. We've got to come back to a move of God. We've got to come back to the breath of heaven. I, I don't want us to ever dry up, you know. Stay filled, overflowing with the wine of God, with the presence of heaven. I feel the anointing. Just where you're seated, just raise your hands to heaven across this house. Let, let that anointing just come and wash and wash. Wash over you. Be filled. Be filled. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. There's a fresh anointing coming on people right now. There's a, there's a fresh touch. There's a fresh touch of God's Spirit. There's a new anointing. There's a new anointing for you right now. In the name of Jesus. Father, let the power of God fill this place. Let the anointing of God fill this place. Father, fresh oil on my sister right now. Fresh oil from heaven. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you that you're alive. Lord, we thank you that you're moving by your Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Father, let the power of God fill this place. If you're hungry, just raise your hands to heaven. Let that anointing just come. Let that anointing fill you even right now. God, with your presence, with the power of God, with the gifts and the mantles of heaven. In Jesus' mighty name, God, we're hungry. We're so hungry. Come on, let's stand across this place. I'm going to hand back to pastor in just one moment. The atmosphere is changing now. For the Spirit of the Lord. And that concludes today's message. Please visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, to register for an upcoming event, or to support the Christian Life Ministry through our online giving portal. Thank you for listening.